Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop, and we spent five seasons of Loose Units, the podcast, talking through his cases, but the unexplained and the paranormal kept rearing their heads. So this season, we're going to take a look at hauntings, ghost stories, and the crimes behind them, because the story doesn't end when the killing is done. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. In 1974, Stephen King and his wife spent a night at the Stanley Hotel, a large hotel in Boulder, Colorado. When they arrived, they discovered they were the only people staying there that night. King said, the hotel staff were just getting ready to close for the season and we found ourselves the only guests in the place with all these long, empty corridors. King and his wife were served dinner in an empty dining room with canned orchestral music piped over the speakers. Except for our table, all the chairs were up on the tables, so the music is echoing down the hall, and I mean, it was like God had put me there to hear that and see those things, said Stephen King. And that night, King had a dream which would inspire him somewhat. This is what he dreamt about. I dreamed of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke with a tremendous jerk, sweating all over, within an inch of falling out of bed. I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in a chair looking out the window at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind. That book, of course, was The Shining. The Shining is set in a fictionalized version of the real Stanley Hotel. In The Shining, it's called The Overlook, and for anyone who's read The Shining or watched it, it's an incredibly scary place. And this week... On Loose Units, The Shadow Files, Dad and I are taking a break from looking at haunted sites around Australia and taking a jaunt across to Colorado, to the Stanley Hotel. Dad, the Stanley Hotel is a ruinously haunted place, apparently. So I asked you to dig into some of the history about this place. I mean, what's your first instinct when you kind of hear about, you know, a hotel looming up in the Rockies that is apparently haunted? Well, firstly, Paul... I wouldn't stay there. You wouldn't stay there. No, no way. I've 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 done a bit of research. That the building, quite frankly, creeps me out. So you know that Stephen King and his wife stayed in room two one seven. Yeah. What 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 you didn't mention, Paul, and I don't know whether you know this, but Stephen King he he may have had a dream or two about various things about his son and a fire hose. But the reality, Paul, is that he went up to the fourth floor 
and he wasn't dreaming, and he saw two girls. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but yeah. that is utterly horrifying. Yeah, he saw two girls. And they didn't belong. They were the only guests in this creepy place. So he sees the girls and he, he inquires with the staff. And, of course, the staff said, well, no, there, there, are, there are not two girls. These were twin girls on the fourth floor, which is pretty creepy. But, you know, I wouldn't stay there because I've done a bit of research into the actual building and I've looked at a lot of photographs of the stairwell and, you know, the, the creepy art on the walls. Yeah. And I find it really, really disturbing. I, you don't have to know that it was the scene of of, of sort of a, a very famous film, but the actual hotel, the Stanley, it's a very depressing place. And it's, it's a it's a 140-room colonial revival hotel, and it's in a place called Estes Park. Would you yeah. describe it as Estes Park in Colorado? Yeah, I mean... Look, it's it's an it's an unbearably beautiful place. Mm. I mean, the view is incredible. Uh, so why was it built there? Like, who built it and why was it built there? It was actually built. Look, Paul, tuberculosis, terrible disease. Uh-huh. Do you know one of the best ways back in the day to cure tuberculosis? Uh, to to build a large hotel. A very oh. expensive. It's a very expensive way of fixing tuberculosis. Yeah, but, yeah. but Paul, in Sydney. Mm. Um, because it, it ravaged the world, right. TB, a, te- a particularly horrendous um, way to die, and it's still prevalent in some countries. And one of the first symptoms or signs of TB, Paul, is when you cough, you cough blood. Right. And they used to take people up into the mountains. And in Sydney, can you think of a beautiful place where they used to take people to help recover yes now one of the things i said about the stanley hotel was that it reminded me of the hydro majestic brilliant in, in the blue mountains it's got brilliant. It, it's got that same vibe exactly so so spot on paul great now the the hydro majestic in um, medlow bath yeah north of katoomba and bloody freezing in winter but crisp beautiful just so invigorating for your mm. lungs. And, and and in Switzerland, which is known for its mountains, of course, they had many, many, you know, places to go. And and I guess why why wouldn't you build a magnificent resort? So the there was a very famous famous family in Sydney called the Foys, and there was a very famous like David Jones, Grace Brothers, and Mark Foys. Now Mark Foys built the Hydro Majestic. The Foys built the hydro and people with TB would go up into the mountains from Sydney to recover. And likewise, the Stanley Hotel, the scene of The Shining, mm-hmm. uh, same thing. But more, perhaps a little bit more interesting about the Stanley Hotel is that there's a very, very famous motor vehicle called the Stanley Steamer. Have you ever heard of that? No, I've not. Okay, well, we're talking one of the great sort of almost inventions with motor cars. And the guy that developed this Stanley Steamer, his name was Freeland Oscar Stanley, and he is the guy that built the 140-room Colonial Revival Hotel in Colorado. Mm. And it's only five minutes from the entrance to the Rocky Mountain National Park. Yes, uh, I would really like to go there to visit from a, you know, to see it, but I, I am, I'm not in any way persuaded 
knowing what I do know about, because the history of that particular building is, because a lot of really terrible, terrible things happened in that building. Like Like what? There were numerous murders in the hotel. And without sort of going too deep, a lot of people committed suicide there. Right. And also, interestingly, there were a lot of gangland hits there. So people were taken out. So you can imagine being sort of, you know, a member of the mafia. And now even if you're a member of the mafia, it's you, st- it, you still want to have a holiday. Yeah. And you're going to go somewhere remote, beautiful, expensive, quiet, where you can just sort of hang out. But people that would go to these types of places, a lot of them would have been very nefarious and mm. dodgy. And it was sort of a, a melting pot for... You know, for a lot of, well, let's let's face it, you know, really, really dodgy people, and and sometimes, you know, people would um would kill kill them. They'd they'd follow them to the hotel, and because people would have contracts taken out on them, and they'd be and they'd be shot. So there was a lot of death, a lot of hanging, suicide, a lot of you know, just terribly sad and depressing stuff. And one of the interesting things that I, in doing my research, Paul, is that he. he you know the um you know plumbers use those oxyacetylene tanks? Yes. So they acetylene is one of the most um explosive materials. In fact, firefighters if they go to a fire and there's an oxyacetylene uh tank involved, they spray it with water for twenty four hours. Incredible. Long after the fire. It's so unstable, it's so explosive. And back in the day in this particular hotel, the Stanley Hotel they used not gas for the for the for the lighting they used acetylene it is so so explosive and one night there was this amazing storm and and all everything just shut down it did actually have electricity as well and one of the uh one of the staff a maid she went up to that room but this particular member of staff, she had a candle because it was the the entire hotel was in absolute darkness, mm. full of guests. She's walked into that particular room, Paul, and the acetylene ignited, and it blew her. And this is so weird. Jesus! It blew. Do you know this? No, mate. It blew her, not out of the windows or through doors. It blew her, and this is so kind of weird, it blew her through the floor. Jesus. It, it The explosion literally, I, I can't even imagine how this happened, but it blew her whole body right through the floor down into the next floor. And the only thing that happened to her, allegedly, was that she broke an ankle. However, here's the weird thing. There were five um, reports through five different newspapers of that exact incident, and every single story is so, so different. Some are saying she died. Some of them... I just can't see how a human can be blown through a a timber floor and not just... uh, Yeah, I'd, I'd read. Her name was Elizabeth Wilson. Yeah, she was a chambermaid. And yeah, it was a gaslit explosion. And I'd read that she recovered and got back to her job and then she died age 90. 
in her home in Estes Park. Because Estes Park wasn't really a place until the Stanley was opened in 1909, I think. Mm. And it opens and then the town of Estes Park builds up around it because finally there was some sort of economy. So by the time she died, age 90, it was like a bustling town. And mm. she, you know, she lived there. She lived near the hotel. Um, but apparently after that, all this weird shit started happening. There were... Um, there were people who would stay at the hotel, like unmarried couples would head up there and stay in their bed. And then they would claim that there was an invisible force kind of wedging them apart as they slept. Mm. And single men kept waking up to find their bags had been packed and left outside the door. And everyone started attributing this to this spectral chambermaid. Now, what's interesting about this is, I mean, there's certainly plenty of logical explanations for finding your bags packed and left outside your door, and that is that, you know, someone's messing with you. But I find it interesting that all of these stories started after that gas leak, after that explosion. The guy that owned it, that built it, Mr. Stanley, Mm. he sold it a couple of years later. Yeah. And he sold it to a group of people that their sole business was the running of hotels, and it, it just... It didn't work for them, and and they basically ran it into the ground. That's right. Yeah. And then he Stanley bought it back, which is which sometimes happens in in business where mm. someone comes, they sell something, it doesn't do so well, and then they buy it back. And um, look, it's a very very interesting place. Um, the atmosphere is so, it, the backdrop is stunning. Yeah. Um, but I believe Paul, am I right in saying that? You've actually stayed there? Yeah, so part of the reason we wanted to do this episode is because back in 2019, Mike Flanagan, who was an incredible writer-director, and he actually made uh, he made the film Doctor Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining. And mm. here's the thing about The Shining, Dad. Stanley Kubrick, when he made The Shining, didn't actually go to the Stanley Hotel. So Stephen King goes to the Stanley Hotel because in the 1970s, the hotel had become incredibly run down and it was ba- it was kind of a wreck. And so, you know, Stephen King rocks up with his wife and his kid and he's got writer's block and, you know, things aren't going well, but it's an affordable place to stay. And so they end up staying kind of during that winter period where, you know, the boiler's going and everything's shut down and there's no one there. And so he writes this book set at this hotel And fans of the book, I mean, the book became so successful that it basically reinvigorated the hotel. Fans of Stephen King were just pouring in as Mm. tourists because why wouldn't you want to stay at the place where the book took place? Mm. So Kubrick takes Stephen King's book and then just sets it. I think he shot it in the same place that the Grand Budapest Hotel was shot over in Europe. So if you've watched The Shining, it is nothing like the actual Stanley Hotel, which, as Dad pointed out, is a lot more like the Hydro Majestic, right? Mm. It's a kind of classic early 19th century kind of health spa. I mean, that's the kind of vibe. Mm. So basically, Stephen King was so bummed about Kubrick's The Shining and how different it was to the book that he commissioned this very unsuccessful but more faithful adaptation. It was like a TV miniseries uh, in the 90s. I'm not sure if you ever saw it, but that was shot in the actual Stanley Hotel. And then when Mike Flanagan decided to do the sequel... He went, look, I'm, I'm going to go to the Stanley Hotel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the overlook the way it was meant to be done. Mm. And so back in 2019, Flanagan made this film and a bunch of press got flown across to the Stanley Hotel. And Because the basic idea was, hey, how much fun would it be if we got a bunch of journalists and had them stay in the Stanley? And I distinctly remember when the opportunity came through, I went to Tegan and at this point we were dying for an overseas trip and Tegan had work. 
And they basically said, look, do you want to go spend three nights in the Stanley Hotel? It was extraordinarily cold at this point. You know, it's it's up in the Rockies. Mm. And as we kind of wound our way up the kind of back road through the mountains towards the hotel, I put on that first track from the soundtrack to The Shining. I mean, you know, at the start of The Shining, when Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall and the kid are driving up uh, towards the hotel, the Torrance mm. as they're driving up, up that mm. road, I put that music on, that music that you can hear right now. And it was so creepy because there is something about the altitude that also... I mean, they had to get us on oxygen at one point just to kind of keep us upright. It was really interesting. They would say, don't go for long walks because you will pass out because the air is so thin up here. Mm. And there's a bunch of people on the tour who are suggesting that part of the reason people claim they see ghosts is because their brains are deprived of oxygen Mm. and and they're basically going a bit weird. Mm. But we got there and it was snowing. And it was incredibly beautiful. Estes Park is like this really weird frontier-style town, and the mountains are just looming. And we got into the hotel, and it was quite late. Now, one of the things that they suggested we do was basically keep an eye out for any kind of supernatural activity. But, Dad, I mean, I was obsessed with the idea of going and visiting room 217 at night. And they positioned me on the second floor directly underneath room 217. Yeah. Okay, so I walked up through the lobby and, you know, it, it had a real kind of tourist vibe because at that point there was a Halloween ball that they throw every year and people come along and dress as Stephen King characters. But hmm. we, I was staying in a kind of quiet part of the hotel and I was acutely aware of the fact that I was staying in a large room alone directly underneath room 217. And I got up at about 1 a.m. in the morning one night uh, I think that, yeah, so after my first night's sleep, I set an alarm, woke up at 1 a.m., put on some pajamas, and sort of toddled up to room 217. And it was incredibly creepy. The plumbing in this place is still very creaky and very old. There was no one around. Mm. Um, and I sort of just, I mean, I was I was going to kind of knock, but I became acutely aware that someone else was already staying in there. I was mm. kind of annoyed that I couldn't actually stay inside the hotel, inside the that room. Mm. One of the things they did, though, is that the staff who come and, uh, you know, work at the hotel have to actually get into the hotel by going through kind of a secret tunnel that has a hand scanner on it. So like a rock tunnel, which goes underneath the hotel into the wine cellars. And we got to kind of head through there. And apparently, yeah, apparently the activity on an EMF Mm. through that place is off the charts. Mm. So in the movie, there is a hedge maze out the front of the hotel. Mm, mm. And in order to kind of recreate the magic of the film, they've planted a hedge maze. But when I got there, it was probably ankle high. So I got to kind of technically, I did get to walk mm. around in the maze from The Shining, but it just wasn't, it wasn't quite the same. Mm. Um, I got to talk to one of the concierges who'd been there for about 15 years. And he's convinced the place was haunted. And he was talking to me while we were sitting in the dining room. Um, the dining room that Stephen King and his family ate in alone. Mm. And you really do get the sense that there is something slightly off about this place. Mm. But like you said, it would be the perfect place to basically lure someone and do a hit. Mm. The core conceit of The Shining is that the Torrances go up there because Jack Torrance is a failed writer and he basically has to earn money somehow. So he takes this job as the winter king. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Caretaker. And so he basically, him and his family stay up there during the winter. They get snowed in. Now, that's not what happened to Stephen King, but... Uh, we were kind of stuck one day because the weather was so bad that we couldn't get out and everyone started to go extremely peculiar. And then that night we did a ghost tour around the hotel. And it was, look, I'll be honest, I slept extremely well in this place, but I did leave convinced that something was kind of off about the place. The whole point of Stephen King's The Shining is that this hotel is a kind of focal point of weird energy. And mm. regardless of whether you believe that or not, it's it's an incredibly beautiful building. The film that Mike Flanagan made, Doctor Sleep, takes place in the same universe, and it follows Danny Torrance, who is uh, played in Doctor Sleep by Ewan McGregor. It's an, it's an amazing bit of casting. And Mike Flanagan, as I mentioned earlier, did Midnight Mass. And Dad, you're a fan of this show. I mean, mm. this is a yeah, horrific. Deeply disturbing. And how show. they got permission to? I just don't understand how they could get permission. I I, you wonder whether they actually did go to the Catholic Church and kind of say, "Look, this is what we're going to do," because it's yeah. so and it's so accurate. Yeah, because Stephen King has this really great thing where he basically takes small town, uh, very realistic places, and mm. sort of just turns them on their head. It's an extraordinary story. I mean, look, Midnight Mass is 
it's next level. It's on um, Netflix right now. Yeah, in case no, it's amazing. Want... When, when, yeah. This is not an ad. We're, I'm mm. just sort of, you know, sort of, we're just chatting about things that we uh, that we really like. But Shelley Duval, Paul, do you know that um, they during that scene? Are you aware that she basically had a nervous breakdown? Yeah, she went. Yeah, she went off the it's edge. Really yeah. terrible. But yeah, it's really do, bad. Do you know? Apparently, working with Stanley Kubrick, he holds the record in that film. Do you know what for? Uh, the most amount of takes, Correct. I guess. Yeah. The most takes. And it's a scene involving her where she's using, I believe, a, some sort of baseball bat. Is that right? Yep. yep. And he, one, one, could, one could hypothesize that the, the building, the energy, the subject matter, mm. um, it, it affected Stanley Kubrick. And he just completely, he literally broke her. And it's really kind of it's kind of sad, and I didn't didn't really know that. And then I just thought about, again, Paul, about um, you know the most disturbing film I've ever seen in my life, ever, hmm. with, without a doubt. And this this film is, I guess, it's probably number two or number three, The Shining. I just found it very disturbing, and I I kind of almost wish weirdly I didn't see it because it really. That left a depressing imprint on my mind. Here's a question, Paul. Have you seen The Exorcist? Yes. Would you, if you had an opportunity, go and stay the night in the bedroom that she slept in? Yeah, why not? Are you serious? Yeah, why not? Paul, I don't believe you. Ah, fuck it. Like, seriously. I, no, I, seriously. I, I, no, Dad, I, I, had a, I had an amazing experience up at the Stanley. I slept very, very well. I mean... It's an objectively beautiful building, and I genuinely believe... You know, remember last week when we were talking about the old Melbourne jail? Sometimes these places have an energy, and sometimes they don't for some people. I agree, but I agree. What, what's interesting is if you walk down... I mean, it's a ridiculously opulent building, right? I mean, mm. from a straight... If you didn't know it was scary, I don't think you'd be scared, because it's, mm. it, it, it just screams high society. It's mm. got these beautiful red carpeted interiors, so it doesn't have that beautiful orange 70s carpet from the film. Uh, it's got these huge mirrors and portraits and sweeping stairways and this big annex and kitchenettes. And it's also kind of soundproof now, so you mm. don't really hear much. But it does have little tributes here and there in the building uh, to the universe of The Shining. So in the basement, if you go down to the basement, uh, they've got some film props in there. And like I said, there's the hedge maze. It's six minutes from Rocky Mountain National Park, mm. like mm. you mentioned. Mm. Honestly, the woods were creepier. We went mm. up to the to the Rockies, and it felt kind of shamanistic. It was really strange up there. Yeah. Um, Estes Park. Uh, there's the, so basically, there's ghost tours around the hotel. Uh, a couple of years back, one of the guests apparently photographed a ghost. You can actually book in room two one seven, which a lot of fans try and do. Mm. And there's, I think there was an on-site psychic called Madame Vera. So you can literally go into the kind of this room and get a get a consultation. It's it's really strange. It's a strange mm. place. Yeah. But one of the things I did while I was up there was chat with Mike Flanagan. So I actually interviewed the writer and director of Doctor Sleep and Midnight Mass, Mike mm. Flanagan, and I talked to him about Stephen King and about the Overlook and about this whole kind of universe, which. You know, part of the reason this site is so... And here's what's interesting, Dad. A lot of people would argue, um, you know, quite validly, mm. that a lot of this haunting stuff is kind of baseless and that it's just kind of fanciful stories. What's interesting about the Stanley is what makes it famous is 
fictional stories based on an apparently real experience, right? Mm. So it's not like someone saw something, saw a ghost there, and then people came there because of it. An author went there and experienced something and created a work of fiction, which Mm. in turn... So people, what I'm trying to say is people come for the fiction, and while they're there, they get spooked based on that. It's a really strange inversion of the kind of haunting thing. So I talked with Mike Flanagan up in Colorado at Estes Park at the Stanley Hotel about how Stephen King and the Stanley Hotel influenced his work. I'm here with Mike Flanagan, writer, director, and editor of the film, uh, Dr. Sleep. Those are some nice socks. Thank you. Yes. You've been visiting the gift shop here at the Stanley, haven't you? Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Every time. Every time I'm here, I just pile up like a whole suitcase worth of stuff. So what is it about the Stanley Hotel that that speaks to you? Well, as a, I mean, I'm a lifelong Stephen King nut. So I've known the legend of the Stanley and, Mm. and kind of his experiences here that led to The Shining, sure. um, long before I ever got to step foot in the building. But uh, I first came here um, in 2013, I think, when Oculus came out. Yeah. And I spent the whole night just wandering through the halls, trying to kind of figure out where he was when he turned you know, this corner and had this moment of inspiration and like looking for all the seeds of The Shining in that building. So you're trying to reverse engineer the process that got him to where yeah, he got. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Just, just to try to try to understand it better. Um, but yeah, I, I love this place. You're a lot like uh, Stephen King in that the two of you have a fixation with horror, but what was it specifically about Dr. Sleep that made you want to turn that book into this movie? Well, the, the book, when I read it, I, and I read it the weekend it was published mm. because I was so excited about it. Oh, you are you a know, fan. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I, I went out and grabbed a hardcover mm. on, on publication day, powered it down, and what I loved about it so much was that, you know, I, I look at The Shining as someone who is in the throes of addiction, yeah. kind of looking at the worst case scenario, kind of living in this anxiety of what they could do to their family. Yeah. And looking at Dr. Sleep, you're looking at the same kind of world through the lens of someone who's now decades sober. Mm. And I thought that was beautiful um, and pretty profound uh, for someone to kind of have created this cultural milestone piece of entertainment. Yeah that's all about their own kind of demons. It's all about their, their own trouble with alcohol. And then to continue the story as a generational story too, to, yeah. con- to continue it kind of through the point of view of, of the smallest, most innocent character, mm. um, but to make a, a, a story about recovery like that, I, I thought was lovely. And that it, it also pulled back in these characters that I loved so much, like Wendy and Dick Halloran. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I thought it was irresistible. The, the one the one kind of ache I had reading the book was I just wanted to go back to the, to the hotel. Yeah, at the sure. End. And, and that was, uh, when, I, when I read it, I was like, when they make a movie about this, and someday, of course, they will, <laughs> you know, and, and I won't be allowed within 100 miles of that set, of course, but I can't wait to see it. Um, you know, when they make that movie, the, the one thing they have to do is, is go back to the hotel as everyone remembers it, as, you know, as people remember it from the Kubrick film. Well, yeah, because the Kubrick film did for horror what the Prisoner of Azkaban did for Wizards. It set the look <laughs> and the feel yeah. of the genre. Oh, yeah. Um, how did you set about unifying the book and the, f- and, you know, and the film? Because, I mean, they're two completely different things. Yeah. You know? No, it, it, the, the gulf of difference is, is so big. Yeah. Um, and that was my, my only goal was really to try to just shrink that gulf mm. and to try to put those two paths back together at least a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Shining, the film, defined how I, how I think about horror cinema. Sure. Um, and there was no version of the world where I felt like you could do Dr. Sleep without that vocabulary, yeah. without the Kubrick 
iconography. Yeah. Um, the trick for me was how do we do it in a way that kind of honors and celebrates Kubrick yeah. while still taking the ultimate arc of the story and bringing it into the place where King wanted it. Sure. Um, and that was, that was the tough part. And um, I felt like we were walking on a tightrope you know, all of us, the cast, the crew, everybody, for, for about two years. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether or not we fell off. Oh, uh, you're we'll, fine. We'll find, out, we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. So you're obviously a constant reader. You're a, you're a King yeah. fan. And a lot of King's works are set in what ostensibly is the, the KCU, the King Cinematic Universe. Yep. Um, how tempted were you to tap into that? Because I did spot a Dark Tower reference. Yeah, there are a few of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, where <laughs> did you want to stray further out into that? Like, is there a, a bigger world at the edges of this film? Absolutely. And I think one of the exciting things about being a constant reader mm. is feeling like you're privy to that whole unfolding universe yeah. and kind of seeing those dots connected in ways that a more casual King fan might not. Sure. Um, so I, I buried a bunch in there. Um, Dark Tower, <laughs> for me, really is the hub of it all. Oh, so it's the best, yeah. You kind of have to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're connected in a, in, a, in a lot of ways, even down to the dialogue. There, there, there are echoes of some of his, uh, his greatest moments of dialogue happen throughout his stories. Yeah. And you know, there's, there are tiniest little things, like there's, there's a part toward the very, very end of this movie mm. Um, where Dan Torrance uses the word stand in a way that, you know, I absolutely wanted to, to just whatever I could do to kind of link it into that little universe. It's, um, I, I think as, as more and more King fans, you know, come of age to the point that they can make movies of yeah. his, you're going to see a lot more of that. I, I, I see it with what, you know, Andy did with it and, and even with Pet Cemetery this year, like yeah. you can really feel the gravity of those other worlds kind of tugging it. Do you feel that Danny is, because Danny is basically a broken person. Yes. Right. And a lot of King uh, heroes, uh, they're underpowered, they're borderline crippled and they're struggling with issues. What is it that you think makes broken people so powerful to writers like King? Well, I, I think it's because in a lot of ways he was one himself. Yeah. And I think as we all are, I think that's what makes them relatable. Yeah. It's, it's the Superman problem. It's, it's that when you encounter a hero who's so perfect and who doesn't seem to succumb to the same weaknesses and, and failings that all of us do, yeah. it's harder to grab onto them. You know, we, we either idolize them, we, we turn them into some kind of deity, yeah. um, or we can't really wrap our heads around putting ourselves in their shoes. Mm. Um, I think you know, when it comes to storytelling, because we all have so many parts of ourselves that can be broken at any given time in our life. Mm. The, the thing that makes a story resonate, the thing that, the, the usefulness of stories is that they can show us that, yeah, it's okay to be broken. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail. Yeah. This is someone else who went through something similar and this is how they were able to save themselves, you know, um, or to be saved by others. I think, I think that's a beautiful thing that stories can do for all of us. Thank you so much for chatting. My God, of course. No, my pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure. So if you haven't seen Dr. Sleep, give it a look. It's, it's really, really interesting. And what's wild is that it kind of fuses together Kubrick's film and King's book in a really interesting way. Now, Dad, I've just checked, and the exteriors of Stanley Kubrick's Overlook were actually the Timberline Lodge on the slopes up at Mount Hood in Oregon. So they are, I was wrong, they're not in Europe, they're actually in America. Um, and the inspiration for the interior sets, which were actually built and shot in England, came from a place called the Awani Hotel in Yosemite National Park. Mm. So all, all of the kind of aesthetics are in that same oh, kind definitely. of woodsy yeah. area. Yeah. yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, yeah. 
Paul, what a great scoop that that interview is. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Really, thank you. Yeah, he was lovely, and the hotel that I've been trying not to talk about this because it's not spooky, but there is a scene in the Jim Carrey film Dumb and Dumber. Where do you remember at the end of Dumb and Dumber where he goes and stays in a kind of ski lodge Mm. um, in Aspen? Yep. And while he's there, he goes down to the hotel bar and he's waiting for that woman (laughs) to arrive. And she never does. Mm. And on his way out, he stops and looks at the frame poster of the moon landing. Do you remember that scene? (laughs) No. It sounds funny, though. You don't remember that scene? Oh, God. But I'll I'll check it out. Brilliant, Paul. Oh, you're fucked. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So that's the. So it's the same hotel. So I, I got to go into the bar where that scene happened. It's so it, good. But that's like, you know what I mean? I mean, this hotel has not just the kind of emotional residue and the apparent hauntedness of The Shining and the history of the Stanley Hotel. It's also the place where Jim Carrey kind hmm. of got Clever. jilted and said some dumb lines. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's entirely possible for two things to be true at once, mm, right? I agree, I agree. There's, no, there's nothing to say this place can't be haunted and also be an extremely fun place to stay. We, uh, at one point, were sitting there in the dining hall honking onto an oxygen bar. So they had this vendor come along and basically hook up oxygen tanks so that we could kind of sit there, but they kind of censored it. So we're sitting there like breathing cherry-flavored oxygen, drinking mm. daiquiris, laughing like hyenas. And then... Several hours later, one of the other journalists I was with came downstairs looking harrowed, but convinced that he'd seen a woman in the corridor floating above the ground. And he wouldn't stop talking about it for the rest of the trip, and he wouldn't come up on the tour to the Rockies, and I think he may have left early. Oh, God, that's heavy. Yeah. I won't say say which outlet he worked with, but he was a really kind of cool, chill, rational guy. That's creepy. In his 30s, we're getting along famously, and then about halfway through the trip, he just flipped. He wouldn't... Well, that's Paul. That's that's what this is all about. Yeah, I mean, like and, you said, this oh. this whole the whole gas leak explosion thing's really really interesting. Mm. I just I Paul, want to. I, have, I, I yeah. have a hypothesis. Can yeah, I hypothesize as to yeah. the floating person? Sure. It was a person, but they instead of being given oxygen, they were given helium, mm. and it just made them light footed, and they were floating. That's what you think happened? Well, it's it's not possible actually, but. <laughs> It's kind of crazy, but if you put enough helium into a human being and sealed all the orifices up, you think yeah. someone you think someone sewed every part of a person shut, filled them with helium, and what just shunted them into the corridor? And they just you just don't know anything's possible. Um, Let, let's just leave that. At, let's leave it a, a, an open book on that thought. Okay, but the reality, of course, is that it'd have to be massive corridor because they'd that you'd have to blow them up incredibly. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it, and it'd be coming yeah. out their eyes. Yeah. I'm not going to claim that I know whether or not the Stanley Hotel is haunted. I stayed there and had a really great time. I will say that it's interesting that people kind of go to this place because of the scariness of The Shining and Dr. Sleep and what have you, and they bring in all kinds of stuff where I think mm. they're ready to see things and they want to see things. But mm. I will say this, Dad. It's an old hotel and there's lots of creaks and kind of quirks and ticks of the hotel because it's an old hotel and it's still settling after you know, more than a century on top of Rocky Mountain bedrock. But mm. I found out from one of the staff members on the tours that hoaxing is a fireable offense at the Stanley. So if someone catches you trying to, you know, kind of create a mm. scare or mm. lying about something you've seen, mm. you get fired. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah, well, that's, 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 that legitimizes it. Then that helps the patrons 
if they do experience something, then they can, with some degree of certainty, feel as though it's actually, it's fair income. And also, interestingly, and I will close on this, Dad, we mentioned Dumb and Dumber, we mentioned Jim Carrey. When they were staying there to shoot Dumb and Dumber, Jim Carrey actually fled in the middle of the night and refused to return when they were on location in 1994, filming Dumb and Dumber. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. I love Jim Carrey. Me too. Absolutely amazing. Love him. And if it's scary enough for Jim Carrey, it's scary enough for us here at Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Uh, well, look, thank you so much for listening to a very odd, internationally flavoured episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. We've had a really great time this week. We know it was a kind of odd episode, but it was really nice to kind of step outside our borders. Now that things are opening back up, it felt kind of appropriate to kind of jet set a little bit and head across to the Stanley Hotel in Colorado. If you can get across there, make sure you pay it a visit. This is not an ad spot. I just had a really good night's sleep in this apparently haunted building. If you want to hit us up online, head to facebook.com forward slash loose units and leave us a message. We will see you later this week for Loose Ends. See ya and bye dad. Goodbye, Stanley. (laughs) Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.